Non-binary is a fascinating concept, something that's been around for millennia, yet we view as a new idea, something that breaks the foundation of our society, a society built first and foremost on gender, especially with the more recent normalization and acceptance of non-binary people in the modern day America. There's a lot to talk about, microaggressions, gaslighting, living in a so-called accepting community like Cali, and the future of gender. Hi, my name is Ash and I use all pronouns. Hi, my name is Ardy and I use she, her pronouns. Uh, this podcast from KPLY is going to be a deep dive into being non-binary at Pali. Uh, we'll explore different aspects such as personal identity, community, education, and social acceptance. We interviewed three Pali students, Ray, Hazel, and Alexis. So Ash, you identify as non-binary, right? What does this identity mean to you and what do these pronouns mean to you? I mean, for me personally, being non-binary means that I feel I would rather be defined by my own personality um, and traits, uh, and I feel strongly disconnected from the idea of gender. Like, I would rather the idea of gender just not apply to me. Um, So if I wanted to label myself specifically, I would be agender. What made you realize that you were this identity, and how long has it been? Well, I mean, I always felt very upset at being called female and being called feminine traits, like uh, stereotypically feminine traits, and uh, being lumped in with other girls. Um, In middle school, I experienced a lot of dysphoria, especially since I was going through puberty. My voice was getting higher. uh, My chest was getting larger. Um, I had a lot of dysphoria around my gender identity. Uh, But it wasn't until about a year ago when I started to really question um, being non-binary, probably in part because I came out as lesbian and a lot of lesbians are non-binary as well. Um, In the past half year, I fully accepted myself as non-binary and come out to my friends and family. Mm Mm-hmm. But what even are labels? Like, when we think of labels now, three automatically pop into our heads, which are she, her, he, him, they, them, or combinations of those. But there are others, too, that we don't think of. I think that, I mean, first of all, pronouns don't equal gender identity labels. So the way we think about gender as equivalent to she, her, they, them, or he, him is very flawed. Uh, For example, I'm femme-leaning and lesbian, and I prefer masculine terms and he and they pronouns. Um, Also, a lot of cisgender and non-binary people can use neo-pronouns, whether it's as a dissociative mechanism or if it's a preferred pronoun. So neo-pronouns are any pronouns that aren't the conventional three. They're often used by neurodivergent people. We consider neurodivergent people, um, they are any people whose brain are wired differently than what is conventional or common. Um, This can include autism, ADHD, dyslexia, epilepsy, and a dozen of other conditions. Actually, one of our interviewees, Ray, uses it itself pronouns, which are considered neo-pronouns. Yeah, um, for neopronouns and such, I just think, at least for me, it's more of a mental health thing because I'm neurodivergent, so sometimes it just helps me, like, kind of take myself away from a situation and calm myself down to not be seen as more binary. Um, It's commonly used for neurodivergent people. Um, A lot of people with autism find it a lot more comfortable. Yeah, neopronouns are often used by neurodivergent people as their brains make connections to pronouns or identities that neurotypical people might not feel connected to, though uh, neurotypical people can certainly also use neopronouns. So our society now is still working to educate and accept everyone's preferred pronouns. But if we look at ancient history, third genders and native cultures were kind of common. For example, two-spirit is a Native American gender that is neither female nor male. 
Yeah, Western colonialism brought along a lot of these binary gender norms and roles, but non-Western cultures did accept being non-binary or gender non-conforming for centuries. A lot of people view being non-binary as a recent concept, but it's the natural result of our society being built upon such deeply ingrained gender roles, a phenomenon that's happened for all of modern civilization. Yeah, and even in modern age in America, being non-binary didn't just spring up in the past 10 years like some people believe. Stonewall, the riot that led to the legislation of homosexuality, was actually led by transgender, gender not conforming, and non-binary lesbians of color. I feel like it's safe to assume that there would have likely been people in many cultures that were gender non-conforming. Even in a lot of countries nowadays, there are legally recognized third genders. Like in Japan, there is a recognized gender that is X. However, in U.S. and most other countries, there's not yet a legally recognized non-binary gender, and there's still a lot of anti-medical transition legislation. I feel like acceptance is not the same as legal recognition, and we have to stop treating it like it is. Exactly. Even in a much more accepting society, there are legal bans against trans people participating in the military until early 2021, and uh, there are still bans against surgical gender transitions in a lot of states. Also, hospitals are still allowed to reject trans patients on the basis of their gender identity. Going back to the topic of social acceptance, being in California and Palo Alto specifically, we honestly consider ourselves a very, fairly accepting community, but we still have our flaws and things that we can do to create a safer environment. There are lots of non-binary and LGBTQ plus students at Pali, and there's a community that has been formed. Yeah, when we were in person, there were accommodations for non-binary people, such as single-stall bathrooms. However, things like locker rooms and PE teams are still quite binary. I feel like overall, teachers and students at Pali are generally fairly educated, but there's honestly still a lot more about like binaryism and the way that we talk that we need to learn about. Yeah, and Hazel has some stuff to say about that. Often, it's really hard for people to understand the absence of something they've always had, mm -hmm. and that usually doesn't play well in their head, and they don't like things they don't understand, so it's hard for people to accept it. Same thing happened when I tried to come out as ace and it just it's not their fault they don't understand but I feel like we need to teach people that not having something is just as okay as being different and there's a lot out there that they don't know and you have to accept that which is never really a lesson that we learned yeah, Alexis has experienced some of this too. Like, I think my family, they accept who I am, but they don't understand that my pronouns change. And they, I think the only person who actually makes a real effort to try to get the pronouns right is my stepmother, um, my sister, my mom, my dad. Um, they all, they all just use she, her pronouns for me all the time, which is kind of difficult and it hurts, but like, I think I've gotten used to it. When I first came out to them, it really hurt like a lot but um I think at some point you build up some sort of resistance to it and I mean at this point I almost don't care it's sad but like it's kind of just the truth you have to sort of just get used to it or else um you're just gonna get hurt every single time and like people who you don't know are gonna like assume your gender and it can be the wrong one and I mean that's not on them so I mean yeah we live in a much more welcoming and accepting community, but it still has a lot of flaws. 
I think one of the biggest issues in the area we live in is that everyone thinks that discrimination doesn't exist here, but it really does. We're just not able to see it as much. Yeah, because a lot of allies think they're doing absolutely nothing wrong when they really are. And it's a hard time seeing all the discrimination and microaggressions because you can't see discrimination if you don't experience discrimination. Um, Microaggressions, by the way, are just like not intended to be transphobic, but things that end up being transphobic. What are some of like the discrimination you've experienced? Well, I mean, for starters, I can't really come out to the older generation at all, um, not because they don't accept me. I mean, some of them don't, but mostly because they don't understand. They don't understand why I would transition. They're not as educated as the younger generation, which means, I mean, they just don't understand my gender identity. And I mean, sometimes people, especially people who are less educated, ask me, like, why are you ruining your body? You are so pretty as a girl. Why are you cutting your hair? All of that. Um, why are you wearing boys' clothes? Stuff like that. And um, Or the classic, guys aren't going to like you anymore, which is kind of heteronormative, if I'm being honest. I feel like there's certainly a lack of education. Honestly, even in the younger generation, we don't really learn these things until like late middle school or high school. And we never really talk about them in school either, especially elementary school, which means that kids struggling with dysphoria don't even realize that they're not wrong or broken until they're in their teens. Also, studies have shown that introducing the idea of gender and identity at a young age leads to more understanding as they get older. Yeah, and I think also our society is so gendered and binary, and we still don't use inclusive language, or even if we do, we use it as an afterthought, like women, men, oh, and non-binary people. Um, And we automatically assign everybody to a binary gender, even when people know my identity, they still classify me as feminine or masculine, because that's just the way that they're taught to think. I think that's something our society will need to need a while to overcome, but we can all make more steps to being more inclusive in our thinking and our speech. Also, social media has a big factor in discrimination. It exposes us to new communities and new people, but it can also lead us to hate. For people in the non-binary community, staying on the right side of social media can make a big difference because of the hate that comes with the other side. It's like a weighing scale. On one side, there's the community where you found the people that you can relate to, but on the other side, there's the hate. For a lot of people, having the community of people that you can relate to is worth having to deal with the rest of it. Yeah, like my mom and I have a TikTok account where we post LGBTQ plus and mental health content, and we've created an amazing community that's so beneficial for everybody involved, including myself. Um, But three times videos about being non-binary have ended up on like the so-called wrong side of TikTok. Um, They've reached hundreds of thousands of transphobes and homophobes who comment extremely hateful things like kill yourself or go burn in hell or stuff like that. Um, It's interesting that though social media unites people into a loving and accepting community, it also unites transphobes and homophobes. Yeah, exactly. Like, social media also exposes us to what the less accepting part of the country believes. And it can be really harmful, but honestly really eye-opening to how a lot of the country thinks. Growing up in Palo Alto, we live in a bubble. For a while, it seemed like everyone was accepting and everyone was understanding. But that's the people that we see. We don't see the people living in other parts of the country that would say mean things or tell people to go kill themselves. So there are a lot of issues... Um, there has been much improvement in the recent years, and Pali specifically is still very accepting. Um, I'd say that Palo Alto and especially Pali is a pretty accepting place as a whole. 
Um, I'd say that there's some places where there's like a lack of education, so some people have some misconceptions, but other than that, I would say it's a pretty accepting place. I know for a lot of people, uh, their family might not be supportive, and it definitely could uh, impact their mental health, but in that category, it's I've been lucky enough to not have to worry about them not accepting me. I'm really grateful to live in a community where the majority of people do welcome me. It provides me with access to things like medical transitions and other transition options. You're currently attending a gender clinic, aren't you? Yeah, I go to Stanford Gender Clinic. Um, the fact that we have an, a renowned, incredible gender clinic at one of the best uh, colleges in the country uh, is really amazing and makes me so glad to live in Palo Alto. And I'm getting so many options to transition and ease my dysphoria a lot. I feel like it's even more difficult for people whose like societies don't accept them at all. Yeah, I know a lot of my friends aren't accepted by their families, but it's great that at least the younger generation is more accepting, if not perfect. There's a lot of community for non-binary people at Pali. I'd say there are maybe like a few dozen non-binary students at our school, and there's a lot of support from other queer people. Our school is forming a QSA, which is a queer straight alliance, so that's another place where people can find support and feel accepted. Yeah, I'm so glad we have that. The QSA really helps me feel uh, have a safe space and feel like I have a community to talk about my struggles with. Um, I'm also so glad we have the capacity to form a QSA because, I mean, um, some of my friends who live in the South uh, formed a QSA and there was an angry mob outside the door of their first meeting. It was really awful. That's really terrible. It's important to note the impact stories like that can have on non-binary people who don't experience that sort of hate. Like a lot of non-binary people at Pali. It brings a sense of guilt, and it also carries with it some sadness or fear that people exist who hate you so much. That's so true, especially about the guilt. I feel guilty for having a family and community that loves and accepts me because I know most people don't. Especially if you look to other countries that are less expecting, someone like me would be executed in 12 countries and arrested in 70. I feel guilty for even discussing my problems when people face that level of discrimination. I think that's an issue a lot of non-binary people face. The best thing to do is realize that you are valid and that your struggles are valid, while also acknowledging your privilege and advocating for those with less rights than you. I'm sure a lot of people at Pali would feel the same way. Moving a bit on from that, I think that though Pali is so socially accepting, there's definitely an issue with the education system not teaching us about being non-binary, and a lot of our interviewees had a lot to say about that. There are so many gender studies classes but their whole textbooks are years old. Like, gender is evolving as we speak, but we're treating it just like everything else. Like, it's not math. It changes, and it can change at the snap of a finger. Yeah. And it really needs to be treated like that. And I think that right now there's a lot going on, and before this there was a lot going on. There's been a lot of political turmoil in the world recently and it just kind of leaves no space for change but eventually we need to figure out how we can adapt to live change in a classroom because we treat it like everything else and we can't. Yeah Alexis had a lot to say about that too. Um, I think that there just needs to be more education on different gender identities because honestly there is nothing (laughs) at all 
And I think it's really sad because firstly, a lot of people who, you know, might be like, I don't know, quote unquote straight, um, they could, you know, be questioning their gender identity um, or, you know, maybe just feeling like there's something wrong and then they don't actually know, like, what there is out there. Like, I don't know what they can't identify as. And it's, it's sad, I think. And also for the people who have kind of discovered who they are, it's, it's, it gets difficult to have to explain to a lot of people all the time, like, your gender. I just feel like you shouldn't have to do that. It should just be like a thing like they, they just kind of know. I don't know. There definitely needs to be some changes to the education system in order to improve the quality of life for non-binary people. Like Hazel said, non-binary education needs to exist in the first place. Honestly, I don't even think we've ever had a discussion about being non-binary in school. And I'm not even sure they've ever even like formally recognized it through anything. Yeah, literally the only thing I can think of is that one or two of my teachers do use inclusive language, but they never actually explain what being non-binary is. I think it's something that should be talked about in elementary school, honestly. Exactly. If kids can learn about being female or male, why can't they learn about being non-binary? I especially think it would be useful if teachers put more of an emphasis on teaching how to use neo-pronouns and they them singular pronouns. I think that in high school, there should also be a discussion about gender and advisory or maybe educational videos that are released about being non-binary at the least. But elementary school and middle school should really be where it's covered because that's when we take in the most of the basics. I think that if a kid is old enough to start learning math, then they should be old enough to be introduced to the topic of gender and a gendered society. Yeah, um, some people make the argument that it's too like heavy of a topic to learn about sexism or dysphoria or being trans, but the reality is kids are experiencing this, and maybe providing resources for trans people will help them um, as children, um, and maybe teachers could be educated on how to best support transgender people as well. I think also our sex ed curriculum should teach about LGBTQ plus people. Exactly. Uh, in sex ed in seventh grade, I asked a question about whether or not female people, female bodied people attracted to other female bodied people could get STIs. And the teacher said, I don't think there's any lesbians in our class. And I was like, I'm sitting right here. And they don't provide any education for trans people either. I don't think we once learned about medical transitions or sex ed for trans people or anything like that. Yeah, uh, we really, really need to. Uh, One excuse people make is that there's only four weeks of sex ed in seventh grade. How can they teach it all? I think that there needs to be more sex ed taught in school, and it's awkward, sure, but it's also important. Sex ed can't be covered in a few weeks. Exactly. Another thing schools can do to improve the life for non-binary people is make PE less gendered. I know Pally has introduced some auxiliary locker rooms for trans and or NP people, but PE is still so commonly divided into male or female. Mile times, boys and girls teams, PE uniforms. There is a debate around boys and girls teams, though. Male-bodied people do have a physical advantage at certain sports, so trans women will consistently beat cis women. It's a point that does have merit. Yeah, it does have merit, and I think that debate is very important to have. 
personally, I'm for adding trans people uh, to trans women to female sports teams anyways. People do have physical advantages. To me, it's similar to saying that people over six foot five can't compete in professional basketball or that people with asthma should be on separate swim teams from people without. Uh, there are people who are just going to be physically better at sports. On the other hand, there was also that whole debate that happened when they were talking about trans athletes in the Olympics. They did want everyone to feel accepted for who they identified as, but there's also the logistic part. They brought up the part where athletes are built a certain way, which can lead to them having an advantage, and their worry was that female cis female athletes will all be replaced by the trans athletes. And I'm honestly not sure what my position is on this debate, but I can see where both people are, com- where both sides are coming from. There's really no win-win option for this. Yeah, I think the answer to this question isn't quite as clear. But at the same time, it would be at least possible for Pally to introduce a unisex team for boys, girls, and non-binary. It's on such a small scale, and it could help so many people. Yeah, because right now we're cutting off trans people from the entire field of sports. I mean, I know that as an assigned female at birth envy, I would never in a million years compete in a women's sports team. It would give me crippling dysphoria, the case for a lot of trans people. Okay, we talked a lot about a lot in this podcast. We covered the history of LGBTQ plus rights, acceptance at Pali, discrimination at Pali, guilt of around being in Palo Alto and how the education system can improve. I think a final note I'd want to leave to cis people listening to this podcast is to listen. Listen to podcasts like these. Listen to your non-binary friends. Listen and don't fear being called out. That's so true. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. For more podcasts from KPLY Radio, check out our SoundCloud or Spotify. And for stories from Anthro, our fellow magazine from the Pali Incubator Program, go to anthromagazine.com. A special thank you to all those interviewed and to Megatracks for providing music.